This is what it is, okay? I said, empty your mind. Be formless, shapeless, like water. Now, you put water into a cup, it becomes the cup. You put water into a bottle, it becomes the bottle. You put it in a teapot, it becomes the teapot. Now, water can flow or it can crash. Be water, my friend. Welcome to the Truth Power Podcast. I am Curious G. I'm going to be honest with you from Jump Street. This one is a little bit of a challenging episode. We kept experiencing some crashes on our computer program. And it has been difficult to pull this one together. I hope that we have the same quality as always on this episode. Having said that, how does one speak truth to power? We do it in our art, through our music, in the poetry of our language, or by the comedy we find in the darkness of days. This art may offend, for we are imperfectly human and uncensored. Hopefully the theme may enlighten the mind and offer new perspectives as we build enthusiasm for being connected. I am Curious G, and this is the Truth to Power Podcast. Truth to Power Podcast. You got your boy here, Ace Cannon. I got my man across the way. Curious G. And we still back. I'm bringing the energy. I'm drinking a ghost energy drink. Go ahead and sponsor us. We need some love. And we keep going. Dude, I'm trying to bring the love. Yeah, I know. But this computer's just bringing the... Fuck! Hey. Oh, Jesus. The world is fighting me, dude. Fighting me. Yeah. Well, guess what, bro? It's dark out here in the depths. <laughs> I mean, we've got to adapt. That's yeah. the only thing I can say. So th- th- this album, we've been talking about dark things. Yeah, I know. I feel like I'm in darkness right now, dude. Bro, I'm losing color as we speak. So Shade. here on the Truth to Power podcast, we take on some serious topics from time to time. In the last, I don't know how many <laughs> weeks we've been at this thing, like... It's been it's been a long time because we're doing two weeks a, a topic mm-hmm. and we're in the ninth song. So we've got to be at least 18 weeks into this. Yeah, man. I'm having so much fun. <laughs> I hope you are too. But we've talked about <laughs> viral catastrophes, environmental catastrophes. We've just been Debbie Downers, bro. A curriculum that kind of creates slaves. The world's over, bro. The labor workforce that keeps There's people- no turning back. Imprisoned and Lock not up. able to participate in a weed the people government. I mean, it's just you been dark. You stuck, motherfucker. You stuck. But along the way, we've tried to offer some kind of solutions to things. Um, you know, one of the things we talked about- <laughs> was how schools educate people for 12 years on how to be a worker, but they don't educate them on how to protect themselves according to the laws, like labor history and labor law or any of that stuff. There's so many things they don't teach. Nah, you know the Pythagorean theorem, you're fine. But here's the thing, and this is the thing. That's easy to do. (laughs) Here is the thing, right? Um... I think that the actual solution is simpler in this world than it seems. All of the structures of society, they are moving forward in this kind of direction towards this 
I don't know, slavery type situation, right? Um, where the banks, uh, the corporations, um, even at times governments, you know, are, are taking control of things yeah. and leaving people feeling powerless and lost. But I really do believe that the real power that exists is love. Hmm? I do. Oh, I do. Love? I think, you know, if you think about, if you think about the, the natural world, right? Everything grows, everything's connected in the natural world. Universal oneness. It doesn't seem to have too many problems. Universe is perfect. Well, what I mean is... <laughs> Everything is amazing. You know, so if you look at, at the, these structures in society, right? The control of nature. Like society, that's one of the things we do. We put up walls, we put on our air conditioning. Mm -hmm. You know, we're able to control our environment. And at some point we get disconnected from the environment and we actually believe this lie that we have power over the environment. The control of nature. Okay, yeah, yeah. You stop, you stop, forget, you stop forgetting about certain things. Yeah. yeah. And in the control of nature, it will always lead to societal control. In the end, slavery. So we're a slave to Mother Nature? Well, I don't think that we're a slave to Mother Nature. I think that we're a slave to the things that we desire. And sometimes what we desire is the power over others. Message! We desire the power over the others. Yeah, because then we, we, it's just a, a sentiment of control. Yeah. It's just nice to feel in control. It's just, even, as much as you don't mean to, you know, there's probably no intention, but it's nice to have control. Is money natural? No. No, it's no. it's a concept that we created in our mind. Yeah, hundred percent. You're not wearing a watch now, but a lot of times you wear a watch. Yeah. Okay. That that is is that really the true representation of time? No. It's a subjective view it's, of time. It's give or take. Yeah. Give or take a little bit. Well, what I mean is that's a man-made creation. It yeah. isn't actually the way that time is passing. No. There's, oh, dude. Okay. Can I, can I side, side note real quick? Yeah. All right. So I was watching, I was listening to this podcast, another podcast. Oh, you were seeing another podcast behind our back? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know. Oh, I feel filthy. Yeah. Well, this guy was talking about time and he was saying that like 60 seconds is different for you than it would be for me. Mm. And it, it was funny because you could, I could see both sides of it. One guy, but one was completely wrong, bro. Cause 60 seconds is 60 seconds. There isn't no, and then that's exactly, is it though? Is it though? You know, How long's a day? I mean, it's not. It's twenty three point eight nine eight hours or some shit. It's not well, if you're on Earth, well, fair enough. But but what he was saying though, <laughs> but what he was saying though was he was trying. That's what he was trying to explain, but he couldn't quite articulate it the right way. So it made it sound like really dumb. <laughs> but it was just funny. Time is relative. Time is a flat circle, brother. Time is a flat circle. We're gonna repeat the same things that we've already done, right? But with relativity. Right, the the passing of time is relative. Things are all from a perspective, a subjective viewpoint, and that's kind of what this topic is kind of looking at a little bit is is love, right? So I wanted to actually look at love, um, because I think that the the opposite of love is actually fear, and I think that fear keeps everything moving the way that it's been moving. I think fear is the thing that gives money a lot of its power that's a net yeah i i i would like to 
think about that some more. That's real shit right there, bro. It is. It is. Um, mm. it, we're afraid of going hungry. We yeah. need that money. We need, I got to make that money to get that honey, baby. We're afraid of being lonely. I got to get that money to get that honey, baby. Yeah. <laughs> I'm afraid of walking to work in the snow and the cold. Yeah. I better get a car where it's got some heat in it where I can control nature. Mm. Right? Um, but, you know, when it comes to the, the thought of fear and love, um, some people would say that the opposite of love is hate. I think hate comes out of fear. What did Yoda say? Mm, which one? Uh, I don't know. I know I have something about fear. I don't know. <laughs> I got nothing. Basically, that little motherfucker said that your fear leads to anger. Oh, okay. Anger leads to hatred. Hatred leads to suffering. It always leads down that road. Now, some of that suffering can be indifference, where you, you start to believe that you don't care about anything or anyone. Fuck this. I'm blowing it up. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and hate, indifference, all that stuff, apathy, these things, I think, come out of fear. And I think the, the, tr the two things that kind of guide everything is love or fear. And what I mean by the guide is um, I've used the example of God's love. Like yeah. in the Bible, it talks about agape, which the English version of that is charity which this is a choice. I don't necessarily have a feeling about somebody. I'm making a choice to show kindness. Hmm. I'm, showing, uh, I'm showing some kind of um, interest in this person to take care of them, but I don't need to, right? Yeah. Um, and I might not necessarily feel anything about this person. You know, this motherfucker's blind. Let's give him a little bit of money. Let's help this motherfucker out. Everyone need a little love, dog. Okay, but but fear says I don't have enough. I can't give. You ever seen the pizza analogy? No, I heard of it. Well, it's not even an analogy, but see, but there's two types of people: the people that take two pieces because they want to make sure that they have it. The type of person that takes that cuts a piece in half to make sure everyone gets it. Mm. What about the person who just orders more pizza? But yeah, man, but Sean, not all of us are balling <laughs> like you, bro. Must be nice. Yeah, well, yeah. Bro, bro, we didn't do any planning for this party. They ain't got no chips in the back. Mm. <laughs> but, but, you know, I'm going from the perspective of, of something internal being as a guide. So more, more of like your mind, body, soul kind of shit? Yeah. Okay. So Helen Keller, she said that the best and most beautiful things in this world cannot be seen or even heard, but must be felt with the heart. Who? Helen Keller. The that, blind one? The blind one that couldn't hear. I mean, I guess somebody wrote that shit down yeah, for her. Like she couldn't see. She How'd couldn't she find the paper. <laughs> yeah. How'd she say those words? People must have just been hanging around her and she she wouldn't know it, right? No. Like you could sneak around Helen Keller. Which I guess you could, she, she couldn't hear or talk. You think she was hot? I've seen pictures. Was she hot? Yeah. All right. She got some cakes. So for sure. <laughs> she, right. would you, uh, she didn't talk much. So would you have gone out with Helen Keller? I mean, you could watch sports anytime. She ain't going to complain. I mean, she, she don't know what time it is. That's right. You could be like, baby, it's time to go. <laughs> what are you talking about? And it's four o'clock. I bet she was kind. 
<laughs> yes. I bet she was kind. I bet you, you know what? I bet you she was very kind. Very kind. Always good to throw blind people and deaf people under the bus. Welcome <laughs> to Truth the Power podcast, ladies and gentlemen. But here's the thing, right? Like, um, when, when it comes to love, I think love opens us up and fear closes us down. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it just even the words itself, you know, when you're closed, yeah, you're not open. <laughs> it's that easy. Dude, when somebody's arms are crossed. Oh, anger. Uh, <sighs> anger, shut down. You know, there's some body language in there. Yeah, I mean, or when you see a hug, just the openness of just a oh, hug. Yeah. You know, my, my arms are open wide right now. I'm hugging you. There's Aww. no fear in a hug. Nah, bro, you're so vulnerable. You're open for business. I've been afraid from a couple of hugs. I got me a mouth hug one time and the teeth mm. just made me nervous about what was happening. Bro, sometimes there. I'm like, yo, we ain't playing Atari, girl. Settle down. <laughs> but love opens us to the world and the people in it, where fear shuts us off from true connection and leads us into a thousand forms of self-serving reliance, which money is one of those types of self-serving reliances. Um, but I, I wanted to say that because of a man named William Blake. William Blake wrote a book called The Varieties of Spiritual Experience. You may remember this. <laughs> I've heard it once or twice before. <laughs> and in, in the book, he wrote about all the world's religions. So he, he wrote on uh, you know Christianity and Judaism and Taoism and Buddhism and all that stuff. And he said that basically the one thing that they all were, were communicating was, was the same, that spirituality is connecting to the world around us, the universe. You know, it's about connection. Um, and I would say that love is is that thing that connects us to the universe around us. It's a very positive form of spirituality, where fear is more of a negative form of spirituality, and it cuts us off. We're afraid to open up about how we feel. We're afraid to open up what we think. We're afraid to expose ourselves to being taken advantage of. Yeah. So it doesn't grow. Yeah. Fear yeah. hides. Yeah. Ooh, I like that. Fear hides. Crazy. So let, let's. So love, as, a, as the social sciences look at it, continues to define aspects of romantic love. There is a greater consensus in the scientific community that no two people experience the emotion in the exact same way. So a complex human emotion like love, it's, it's the culmination of a complex interplay between biology, cultural, and environmental influences. In spite of individual differences, however, aspects of love appear to be universal. And this is what I'm kind of talking about is this universal guide, the universal, universal love that indicates um, that the emotions may be kind of an uh, evolutionary adaptive experience like we started to agree that kindness is the way to go we've started to agree that trying to be understanding of another person is the way to go and these are the things that bring people together not shut us off from one another but fear fear is the thing that does shut us off from one another there is a reaction with fear you know we go into protectionism yeah survival mode Think about the labor industry, 
Right? I came out of a right to work state. Right? They don't want unions in right to work states. Mm-mm. They want they want people that have the right to go to work. And you you're, you got free will, bro. Yeah, <laughs> you ain't got to pay a union. Mm-mm. Uh, they they don't they just take your money. That's what they're interested in doing. Come on, man. You need someone to look after you. Mm. Oh, okay. I thought we were dealing with men here. But in a right to work state like Florida, where I came from, um, the the way that the laws are written, it gives power to the employer and not the employee. Well, people will agree to this stuff because of fear. But if you actually look at the 28 states here in the United States that are right to work states, all except for four have higher um, rates of murder, higher rates of arrest, higher rates of addiction, higher rates of divorce. Kids that are most likely not to go to college, you're most likely not to have health care, you're most likely Jeez. not to have dental care, vision, you're more likely to be a victim of a crime. I mean, it goes on and on and on and on. There's four states, though, in right-to-work states that don't have these problems, and they're places like Utah, where where it's the population really isn't, you know, quite there, right? That's, and it's all kind of like if you go to Utah, there's a lot of people. It's pretty much the same color. Just, well, that is just like <laughs> I mean, that's where I don't know this for a fact, but I'm saying that's probably where a good like a good proportion of the people there are the same religion. Same religion. general area. And there's a little bit of love in that. And a lot of love with each other, yes. Yeah. Not like that Southern love. No, no, not like that brother-sister love. But but, but that actual brother and sister love. (laughs) But a a lot of things go back to fear. And in the labor industry, that's a good example. Uh, Unions came together because they saw that caring for one another and and the, the future that each other had gave them some power. Yeah. Gave them some strength. That's because you, yeah. That's like loving thy brother, for real. It's like, yo, I'm going to do this shit now. We talked about it with the whole thing about planting trees and for shade that you know you won't sit in. Mm. You know, that philosophy. So, mm. Which is cool. So what's one of the symbols that unions have? Well, that fist. Yeah. yeah there's that fist. I remember that one. But, what does that mean? Well, um... I would say, well, obviously the fist is, you can fight for your right to party, as, the, <laughs> as some people say. Um, Mr. Fister would do that. Jeez. Oh, I'm just saying, he um, would fight. Yes. You can, well, I guess if you metaphorically, like you come together. Yeah, like the individual fingers yeah, and thumb like come together to be, with purpose. Yeah. I don't, um, I don't know, just. I just think of fighting for your rights. That's really all I got. Now, when when you use that as a symbol, and I think that the fist has been a symbol for a lot of things, right? The raised fist, the clenched fist is a longstanding image uh, that has different meanings. But it's it's usually seen as a symbol of solidarity. Revolution. That's what I always think of. Yeah. With political movements, anti-fascism, socialism, communism, anarchism, revolutions, social movements. It can represent this unity, strength, and resistance. That's kind of the idea. Hmm, okay. But, you know, when you are in resistance, you're also in opposition. To somebody, right? To somebody. And Everyone's I, a terrorist to someone else. Dude, and I think it's, a, it's, I think it's an oppressive, violent world at times. Can be. 
Okay. And I, sometimes the fist is what we need. Yeah, man. But do we always need the fist? Well, all I know is, guess what? Fighting doesn't always solve motherfucking problems. What'd Bruce Lee teach? Uh, I know that flow like water. Flow like water. Flow was a big thing for him. Yeah. It's, that, one of, it's one of my favorite things to do is just pretend like I'm flowing like water, <laughs> which I've done probably if you combine it for all these episodes, at least 15 minutes together, but I'm going to keep going, baby. Bruce Lee said that the closer to the true way of Kung Fu, the less wastage of expression. Truth exists outside all molds, patterns, and awareness is never exclusive. He says, be like water, which is inclusive. He believed in the economy of motion, which is efficiency. Mm. He believed in directness. Yeah, that's how he, the whole, if I was to, I don't, I'm not into, like, I don't know Bruce Lee as well as you, but if that's how I would explain, like, his fighting style, and, like, mm -hmm. his technique, which is motion, fluid, momentum. So the name of his fighting style was the way of the intercepting fist. Mm. See, Bruce Lee was a Taoist, uh, which means the way. Right, the way of the intercepting fist, um, it basically incorporates a set of principles to help practitioners practitioners make instant decisions to improve physical and mental self. But basically, one of the things about the way of the intercepting fist is, and some people said that he um, actually read minds, that he was a little bit of a telepath. Hmm. Okay, but the, the thing that he was actually reading was very subtle movements. He would watch your eyes. Yeah. He already knew that you wanted to fight him. Uh -huh. Yeah. That was not a mystery. Mm -hmm. But if he can in intercept your fist. Use your anger. It's that art of war shit. That art of war shit. <sighs> so, like, if he could um, de-escalate things with his words, he would. He won't need the fist then. And the greatest fight that he ever fought, I believe that he won, which was his fight against racism. Um, when they made him wear the costume in the Green Hornet? Well, you know what's funny <laughs> okay, that's is, show, is at one time they were interested in him being on the show Kung Fu. But he wasn't Asian enough? He wasn't, <laughs> he was, wasn't white enough, oh, apparently. Well, um, well. It was David Carradine, which is a white oh, dude that played yeah. an Asian dude. They're like, oh, his eyes look a little droopy. <laughs> That's hilarious. Just, <laughs> you ever hear about Charlie Chaplin entering a Charlie Chaplin lookalike contest and getting third place? Oh, no, no. <laughs> yeah, it's hilarious. He just doesn't look Charlie enough. Yeah, he's not. That's not Charlie. <laughs> but he, is, he has the Chaplin, but no Charlie. Sorry. Well, it's, you know, that's funny because the way that we perceive things and the way things actually are, you yeah. know, um, with Bruce, he, he felt that there was a lot of racism towards Chinese people here in this country. And there was. Okay. This is going to be, so when the internment camps happened, like the Asian internment camps, the concentration camps in America, internment camps, was that during World War II, like right, right before so there was, there, it was World War II that they started right. taking the Japanese the people Japanese. here. In, okay, in this. yeah, and, and, well, okay. But this was, so this was the going Chinese back. Chinese was the railroad. Yeah, it was time. the railroad. And then the second one was the Japanese internment camp because of fear of Pearl Harbor retaliation. Pretty much, said. pretty much. Okay, I just want to get my timeline right. But there was a lot of um, racism 
And, you know, to be honest, we had some recent wars with the Japanese and the Koreans, and and there were some things that was on the minds of people. But um, what he saw is is that he wouldn't necessarily fight in the, the normal way of fighting. He wasn't that raised fist where he got a lot of people to rally behind his cause. What he actually did is he started to teach people his kung fu. Mm. He felt if people understood that fear would go away. And it was actually the understanding that he was giving people, which is his form of love. Now, his form of love knew what it meant to his people and to the nation that he came from by teaching it that it would raise people's anger and hatred and possible violence. And he was actually ready to die for his belief mm-hmm. that we should be open. You know, I don't know if this plays into anything, but I was just thinking of good old Cassius Clay when you were talking. Ooh. And his fight kind of during Vietnam. And, well, for those who don't know, Cassius Clay is also a.k.a. Muhammad Ali. And uh, one thing that was about him that I was just kind of thinking that's similar is, you know, he 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 wasn't going to go to Viet, Vietnam because he's like, I ain't shooting no Viet Cong. Viet Cong ain't never did nothing to me, mm. you know? And he ended up actually <clears throat> giving up his title and going to jail because of what he believed in, you know? And it was just, and it wasn't even, it, it had to do with almost the anti-hate He's like, I don't hate them. I don't have anything to do with them. They don't have anything to do with me. So why am I going to go over there and kill them? Bro, that's your fight. And that's an internal state. Yeah. Not an external one. That is an internal state that is able to meet those external circumstances just like Bruce Lee. Yes. And that's why I felt parallel. I was like, dude, that's very similar in how like their, their thought process of going against a cause, you know, being, but in a way to where they weren't fighting. It was open fist. And this is what I mean by yeah. love and fear. Bro, this is some shit, Sean. Guy. Yes, sir. <laughs> Guy? <laughs> Guy? <laughs> so one of the things that Bruce Lee said, he says, I hope to feel, uh, I hope to free my followers from clinging to styles, basically the different martial arts styles, from, to, to styles, to patterns, or molds. Remember that Jeet Kune Do is merely a name used a mirror in which to see ourselves. Mm. It's not organized institution that one can be a member of. Either you understand or you don't. And that is that. There's no mystery about my style, he says. My movements are simple, direct, non-classical. The extraordinary part of it lies in its simplicity. Now, I think, I think that where Kung Fu actually began, and I really don't know, I'm actually talking a little bit out of my ass, right? Um, I think where Kung Fu started was in protecting oneself, mm. in the defense of one's life. So in, in martial arts, you have basically a, a reach of so far, right? As far as your fist and, and foot can reach. Mm-hmm. That is protecting your circle. Yeah. You can reach out in all directions, and this is your circle of life, which you have the right to defend. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, 
the true martial artists, kung fu practitioners, always taught health first before they taught how to harm the body. There's a lot of things like um, kung fu was the place that massage started, right? The aromatherapies, oh. the medicines, all these different the, ways the of healing. Massage. The neuro massage. Yeah, dude, there was all the ways of healing the body. And this is what you learn first, is you learn to heal the body before you ever learn to harm the body. Mm, that makes sense. Knowing how to harm the body came from knowing where the weaknesses... That would, that would, that would make sense. Mm-hmm. That would make... Perfect sense. The best person to do demolition on a house would be a person who mastered how to build a house. Exactly. That makes perfect sense. So Kung Fu doesn't just mean fighting. Kung Fu means that you are the master of. You're basically a practitioner, somebody that uses discipline, somebody that practices. Oh, okay. So it's not an actual... So, okay. I've always thought it was... Kung Fu was like just that that was a style of fighting. Now, in China, it refers to any study, okay, learning or practice that requires patience, energy, and time to complete. Its original meaning, Kung Fu, can refer to any discipline or skill achieved through hard work and practice. Oh, so anyone can be a Kung Fu master. God damn Ooh, I right. I like that, baby. My Kung Fu is on a podcast. That's right. And my Kung Fu is bullshitting you, motherfuckers. <laughs> 10,000 hours made me a master, my friends. So, you know, with his way of intercepting fist, I actually had a lot of this on my mind when I wrote this song. Um, this song is called Open Hands. And in this song, I, I felt like I eventually had to take on love, right? Here we are in a three album set where I'm talking about all of the different things that we all deal with, like work, right? The environment, uh, healthcare systems, mental illness, you know, these are all things that we run into day to day. Because remember, uh, Khalil Gibran, who wrote The Prophet in 1922, he basically wrote uh, on the subjects that, that connected people during those times. And this is kind of a shout out to his um, book, The Prophet, which was all prose poetry. But my three album set, um, The Prophet, 2022 is a hundred years later when this stuff came out. And I, I took on all these topics like racism. Right. Um, but I, I couldn't ignore, um, love cause it really is, I think the answer. And this is one of the reasons why it's coming almost at the end. We got one more song after this and it finishes off the three albums, but th- this is the last topic. And this is kind of the answer to me hmm. is this open hand, open heart, yeah. Right. So this is the concept of Yeah, the the song isn't really talking about, you know, like I'm in a romantic love with Jennifer. Nah, it's that it's that brotherly love, the not even. The love it's the feeling, the, not the feeling, the it. It is just being it. Higher just consciousness. Being here, just being here, bro. I'm exactly where I need to be. So the way the the hook goes, open hands, open heart. Those closed-fisted choking clans don't get me as I am. So that that fist of that fist of um, unity, the the unions and all that stuff. Um, this is kind of in opposition to that. With the open hand technique, it's all about love. It's being open because you can make a fist with an open hand. That's part of the kung fu. 
Yeah. Right? If that situation requires be, but you yeah, but you have to be willing to be adaptable and adaptable. you have to understand that you are adaptable for this technique to work. And creative. And you and a hundred percent. It's like I can actually do so I can I could shake your hand. I could put my hand up and just say, stop, 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 stop. No, put my hands up of innocence. Open myself up to you. Bro, I think that I am a firm believer in the open ham technique. <laughs> Some, like one, Okay, one metaphor that we've used on this and what I like now too, it's that whole, my sports metaphor of someday you can be Michael Jordan. Someday mm. you're Scottie Pippen. Someday you're this. Someday you're that. Someday you're Coca-Cola. Someday you're Sprite. Depends who you got to be, Bo, but you got to be fluid. Mm. You got to be able to roll with the punches. Pun intended. Message. Well, with the open hand technique, you can reach out in friendship. That's what I'm saying. Shake a hand, type some rip. Try, you can slap a motherfucker if, if you, you have if to. If needs be. That's we, oh, that's how we going to get. Let's get back yakking my hood real quick, yo. And I think that, that love is, is, comes back to the idea of self-love too. And I'm not talking about pride. No. I'm talking about you are caring for your life. Your, your needs, like your, your, your actual needs. Going back to that Kung Fu, yep, 100%. that circle, circle of life. Yep, the higher that circle of life of needs. is as far as you could reach. Now, when they started to train with weapons, that extended their circle, right? So you weren't, if you came with your fists, they were able to push you back with their staff. So they actually had a, a larger circle. And, and the discipline that they had and the training that they put into, the kung fu that they put into the use of that instrument gave them a better feel of protection. Bro, do you want a super side note here? Mm. <laughs> I got 30 seconds. Okay. I learned this recently, and this is, is going to be for anyone who's my age around 30s. Oh, well, 40s. The Ninja Turtles and their weapons real quick. Oh, geez. Okay, this is fucking awesome. Okay. okay. So Master Splinter is a true master. Okay, Donatello, right? Who is he? He is the guy who's all about technology. He's oh. all about this. So what is his weapon? It's the most basic staff, right? Mm. It's the most basic weapon. What? Okay, ready for this? Ready for this? I'm talking about Rough, my shit. Yeah, well, you have a basic shaft. So we are. <laughs> so then we also talk about, I'm just joking, bro. So then we also talk about Raphael. Who is he? Hot Hothead. Si? Yes, he hothead. He has size. But what are size? They're actually blunted tips. Mm. So they can't actually kill anybody. They can definitely punch damage. But because he's such a hothead, he couldn't give him something like Leonardo, mm. who's very, who is the most conscious and actually has a weapon that can actually kill his swords, katanas. Can actually kill. But because he's the most mature and thought and thought uses his brain the most, he was gifted the sword. Now Michelangelo spat spaz like everywhere blah, 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 blah. you know he's doing his thing he's a party animal now he uses the nunchucks the mm. nunchucks are the most technical of all of them so you have to be so i guess a sword could be but you have to be so ingrained and focused when you're doing the nunchucks that it takes a lot of effort you don't just kind of willy-nilly just do nunchucks and not get hurt so master splinter master for reals take that for what it's worth holla at your boy next and the open hand could grasp them all they mm, let's go yeah, we hear y'all. So this is this is it, love and adaptability and creativity and openness. All this is I is what I see as an actual strength. All right, here's the thing, people. I'm gonna be honest with you. We've been having some technical difficulties. This is like our fourth time trying to record <laughs> this, and we keep getting sections of it done on this attempt, but. We are having some problems with our program.
So here on the Truth to Power podcast, how do we how do we lie to you guys? Um, and this topic is love and adaptability. So we are doing our best to adapt. Um, we are hoping that this message is coming through clear because we keep stopping it and saving it. So that's the truth. And we also apologize because we're not sure what we've said and what we haven't said. So if something seems <laughs> extremely out of place, it probably is. <laughs> oh man, my Kung Fu. <laughs> this is not, yeah, we are not the master today, but I'm going to still flow like water. Okay. With this in mind, um, does the structures of our society alienate us from love? Yeah, yeah, because like we say, a lot of it is individualized, creating your own bubble, so you're closed off to the world. You're not accepting. Uh, you know, when you when you do live in that little bubble that you're in, like I think a bubble is such a good metaphor, mm. just like a good saying, because it is, man. And I know that you can pop a bubble, but it's still like for the most part, it bounces. Everything just kind of keeps bouncing off you, and you just kind of just keep going your way without actually opening yourself up to anything. And you're just a fucking bubble. Mm. <laughs> That's all you are. You're just a bubble. Instead of being a group of bubbles. <laughs> Modern societies strive for things like success. Especially in our society. Prestige. Especially in ours. Yeah, R Roman, very much like, I want to be the best. Money. Power. First I get the money, then I get the power, then I get the respect. This is a, a culture that cultivates ego. And narcissism, mm -hmm. which is also a form of self-love. Um, so we've been we've been talking about love, and I think that the love of self is a healthy thing, but in a healthy way, not the love of self where you shut yourself off from, yeah, others, uh, just even anything, for sure. So I think that there's some things that that have to happen with love. I think humility is one of those things. We must approach the process of life with growth and with humility, um, with no previous expectations. One of the things that Bruce Lee talks about is that empty cup that's being filled, right? That's, that's humility. Um, the water in the cup, it doesn't seek to rise above the place that it is. It just is. Yet our realistic view of self and our place in the world can be humble, objectively loving can be yeah it can be anything that's the one that's the one thing i have come to appreciate after these four attempts is that <laughs> love is just also adaptable because it's sacrifice it's doing all those emotions that you were talking about or maybe haven't talked about or maybe we did talk about i'm not sure but you've taught me that dude we love our audience because we keep pushing through oh i that's i know it's you kept, that's what, that's what I was thinking about, bro. The people. The people. Because I don't know who I'm affecting, but guess what? Maybe my message does help somebody. Maybe it does. I changed my life. Maybe we're doing the, helping the next head of the World Bank, bro. Let's go. I'm just kidding. So one of the things that love has as uh, one of its principal guides is faith. Hmm. Faith. And what I mean by faith, I'm not talking about uh, faith in this religion or that religion. Um, I'm an oil painter, right? Says when I, 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 I paint with oils. <laughs> As you have okay? always <laughs> So there is some self-acceptance that happens when you're oil painting because oil paint is liquid. Yeah. Right? That's the median. You can't control it. You can't control it. 
Bob Ross, that shit. It's just a happy little accident, bro. Dude, it's, uh, you, you push this oil around, but it's not something that you can make do anything. You can guide it, and that's part of the faith. You can trust rather than control. There's no eraser on an oil paint set. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> that's funny. No, there's not. There's not. There's eraser on a pencil, but that's for people that are in fear. When you're an oil painter, you have a little bit of faith. You trust the process. Um, and uh, this is what I think of when I think of art, kung fu, right? My, my practice is um, I trust the process. I think that there is this um, fear that speaks to us where um, you start to draw. Oh, it's not good enough. You start to write that poem. Oh, it's not good enough. It's got to be better. There's a, a perfectionism that comes in and, in and there's a control that happens. Now, you're a, a, a rapper that can just freestyle like a motherfucker. Um, I've never been that dude, but I haven't practiced that. Mm -hmm. um, I'm more of the, I have an idea. I'm going to explore it. This is the way I'm going to do it. Um, there is a lot of that, but I don't ever look at anything I write and go, I hate that. And I actually don't have um, writer's block. I've written a lot of things. I've written books, I've written screenplays, I've written songs, I've written a lot of things. I've written philosophy, but I've never gotten writer's block. And you know why? Because you're just writing from the heart. No. Uh, I was trying to do something there. Because I don't push. Okay. I have faith. Yeah. I have faith that I'm going to be able to say what I want to say. If I get to a place where I'm not able to continue writing, what I do is I go to the other thing that I've been writing. Yeah. Or the other thing that I've been the music I've been you, making. You ever uh, you ever seen Finding Forrester? No. It's a movie you would really enjoy. I think mm. it's with uh, it's with Sean Connery. He's he's a writer, William. And Parker. there's a black dude who plays basketball. I have seen that a long time yeah, ago. Dude, you should rewatch it again. He's fucking phenomenal. So, Finding Forrester, huh? Yeah. Well, what's what's the thing about that movie? Well, one thing that he talks about in there. Well, one, it's acceptance. And, you know, uh, two, two different types of people. So they thought they were different, but they're really not. When you get down to it, it's two genius writers, you know, that have all these things. But the thing about one of the, the character in it, he's kind of a mystic because no one really sees him ever. But everyone knows he wrote this book who won a Pulitzer Prize. And then he kind of just went, went away. So, but in the thing he's talking, or in the story, he's talking to him. Uh, his name is Jamal in the story. He's talking about writing. And he goes, no, no, no. The first draft we write for, we just write. The second draft is for revising. Mm -hmm. like, you just write. Mm -hmm. goes, it doesn't matter what you're writing about. Just write. And he goes, just, so I, I will be working and I will just start talking about nothing. And then all of a sudden I'll try to bring some shit in and like my pitch. And all of a sudden now I'm practicing it. But yeah, you, that, this whole goes back to the whole thing of the venture capitalist about, you know, the sad, like what the biggest thing, the saddest thing that he's, you know, my Mark would see would be people not willing to, mm. that fear. They weren't willing to be adaptable, to try something, to change. Mm. So it's, uh, you know, prevalent there. The open hand technique, it's man. there, baby. <laughs> so another thing that you need when it comes to love is courage. Courage. Growth requires the comfortability with the uncomfortable. Yeah. I've heard that before. I like that. Well, we've had it as a topic. Oh, that's probably why I've heard it before. <laughs> I, I am the co-host of this podcast, if you haven't realized, everybody. I am here every week. 
So, so courage, you know, one of the things that I've thought about courage is the ability to do the right thing, even in the face of fear. Yeah. Well, I've, I've heard that line, uh, even not even just a quote from somewhere else. It comes from somewhere. Yeah. It's like a movie or something, but it's like that. It's like going against, yeah. True, true courage is going against what the popular or something like that. Well, I don't know if it's necessarily going against the popular. It's, it's it's doing the right thing in the face of fear. That's, that's what I think of. I've, I don't know where I've heard that. It might be a quote, but you know, maybe the, maybe the crowd is going, doing the right thing. It's happened. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> I mean, sometimes, sometimes, even if by mistake. Um, and the, the other thing is, is discipline. There has to be the idea, um, that, that love isn't passive. Mm-mm. It's not a passive energy. No, it's not. We don't fall in love. We must actively pursue love with an active awareness, kind of like what Simone Way said, where we are um, uh, tuning into the frequency of what she called God, right? This is the awareness of love, being, being willing to remain vulnerable. The act of self-love requires healthiness in our connection to the self and the world. So this is the kind of love that I'm talking about in the song, Open Hand, mm. Open Heart. Um, and the way I see love in the world is everything seems to be getting colder out there. But I think it's the one thing that that we can actually look to as a solution. It's something that we can actually practice in our lives when the urge is to go into protectionism, right? Oh, shit, the gas prices are high. The grocery bills are high. We need to go and get ours. We need to take care of us, me, me, me. There's a fear in that. There's a fear there. And the thing that scares me the most is when people are in that type of fear and they're isolated in our society, what are they going to do? They're going to look for something stronger. We always look for the stronger animal, right? And when that new world order arrives at our door, oh, we got you. We got you. Here's that universal income. It's, prices are tough. I don't have to go hungry anymore. You don't have to go hungry. Everything's going to be Okay. Wait, yeah, and you don't you don't even have to go anywhere. And that's when slavery appears. Ta-da. Because sometimes the people that create our fear also want to give us the answer. Yeah, let me give I want to sell you I want to get you sick and give you the medicine. That's right, dude. Take the vaccine. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's go. All right, so I don't know where we are in this thing called love, but I've been in love before, and it's very much like this. You don't know what the fuck is going on. You don't know what was said, what was done, but I just hope Ableton doesn't crash again. We'll to see. Hold on here. Let me just save that. But I think our time is kind of winding down. You know, um, we're getting close to the end of the album. This is song number nine on the third album. Mm-hmm. Um, song 10 is the last one but we'll have another week on this topic and I might even have a third week I really don't know I got to see exactly what was said on this topic because I'm a little bit confused I don't I don't know but I'm here do you have any parting thoughts on the, on the topic of love you know just love yourself mm. honestly take a real moment take some time for yourself because the only way you're going to get better is by taking time and recognizing problems and we all got them love connects us to life 
fear separates us from it. This has been the Truth to Power podcast. And uh, we do love y'all. Okay, open hearts, open hands. What does this track say to you? Um, basically, like trying to... I don't know if I should say stay true to yourself, but be be like soft in a world that's like hard, <laughs> you mm. know? That's exactly it, to be honest with you. Um, that that idea of vulnerability, mm-hmm. you know, open hands. Um, I kind of wanted to approach the open hands, open heart as kind of the way I see love. Mm-hmm. So this isn't a love song talking about I'm in love with you, baby. Right. You know? <laughs> I don't know if I've done one of them things in my stuff. You'd have to go into my rock and roll to find one of them. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But I wanted to take on the topic of love because in this three album set, how could I talk about all the things that are relevant to life for everyone if I didn't take on love? Yeah. So it's, it's kind of, if you, if you go through the lyrics, there's a darkness to this song, even though it's such a positive song. Um, the music is actually some of the stuff that makes me like, I picture like Rocky Balboa coming out to a fight. You know, it's mm-hmm. just a feel good feeling in this song. Um, and there is some very positive messages in this song. Yeah. But I'm, I'm kind of like asking, you know, what's the state of love in the world today? Mm-hmm. You know, what, what's your view on the way that, that love is in the world today? Distant, I think. Um. I think there's not a lot of well, people don't show love a lot for different reasons, for whatever reasons. But I feel like a lot of people just kind of like, I wouldn't say shy away, but I don't know. It's just so much. I think people are so consumed in what's going on in their own life that they, you know, it's sometimes I guess it's hard to show love or, you know, people get hurt showing love. So they don't want to show love. <laughs> different reasons. And I feel like it's distant, even like with your family or people that you know love you or that you love. Sometimes you got to keep a distance if you don't want to get hurt or mm. whatever, you know? Yeah. Do you love yourself? Yeah. I think I could love myself a little more, but I love myself. I think you do too. And, <laughs> you know, it's one of the things that draws me to you. Um, you know, I think... I think it was one of the things I've been doing a lot of research on this topic because I'm getting prepared for the podcast each time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've actually paid attention to some philosophers on love. And there's this one for us philosopher named uh, Eric Fromm. And Fromm talks about how you have to be in a state of love all the time, that it isn't a noun. It isn't something that you can have. It's a verb. It's an action that you kind mm-hmm. of take. And he says that one of the things that you have to have is a healthy love for yourself in order to love anyone else. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, and I think you have a healthy love for yourself. Yeah. I do. I do. Um, you know, there's a, there's a way that you interact um, with me that is you are responsible with yourself. That's mm-hmm. the way I see it. Um 
the when I, where I first saw love with you was when you were talking about your mother, and I think you remember the conversation mm-hmm. that I mean. And I think I've told you before that that was where I knew you were special. Um, you had said something to the effect of, you didn't really always want to do the right thing, but you were doing it kind of until you wanted to, or something to that effect. You yeah. know, and you were talking about taking care of your mom, and and you know even. Even our own mothers and sisters and, you know, family, it is hard to maintain relationships in this world. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of people that don't. There's parents that abandon kids. There's kids that abandon parents. Mm-hmm. So it isn't like it's just a given the day that we love our parents. Right. You know, and I know a little bit about what you do for your mom. And um, the only thing I can say is bravo, man. Thank you. I'm personally I'm proud of you. So. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but getting back to this open hearts, open hands. Um, why do you think it is? Uh, well, no, you kind of answered this question. I was going to ask you, why do you think love has grown cold? And you kind of talked about the distance and, mm-hmm. and why you think it is in our society. But let me go in another direction. What would you say is the opposite of love? Hey. You know, I think that's I think that's a lot of people's answer. Yeah, I was trying to think of something else, and I'm like, wait, hey, um, were you a fan of Star Wars? No. Okay. Don't ask me about any of those. No, I ain't gonna ask you. Although, although you did, you did explain to me what it was about, and it it made it more interesting. But I don't think I could sit and watch Star Wars. Sorry, Star Star Wars Wars fans. We're going to bring her along. I haven't watched Batman either, and I'll never watch Batman either. So, like, yeah. We're going to bring her around slowly (laughs) here, people. (laughs) Trying to get her to go to see Metallica with me. (laughs) Or Metallica Light, I Uh should say. Um, I'm going to try to get her to do a few things that might not be her thing. Mm -hmm. But that's just me. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so this is something that Yoda said, which is a character that you might know. I know Yoda. Oh, you know. I know that motherfucker. (laughs) He don't impress me right. none. He's a Muppet. <laughs> did you watch the Muppets when you was young? I did. Oh, I he did. is a Muppet now. He same dude that made the Muppets. Right. Made Yoda. Okay. So he don't impress you. But but this is the thing that, that Yoda said, and this is one of his main points throughout the show, is he said that fear leads to anger. And that anger leads to hatred. Mm-hmm. And then once you're consumed by hatred, that you live in suffering. Mm, I like that. I like that too. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's a very true statement. Um, hate is kind of a reaction. And and anger is also a reaction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know. I agree. But all of that comes out of fear. Yeah. So, you know, the... The opposite of love to me is actually fear. fear. Hmm. Because when we're in fear, we're consumed kind of with what's going on with us. And we go into this self-protection mode. True. I yeah. like that. Yeah. And I when agree. I'm <laughs> protecting myself, sometimes I hurt other people. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes I'm like, fuck you. I want that. Right. Because yeah. I'm afraid of not having that. Yeah. I want my chocolate chip cookie. Right. <laughs> I'm going to beat your ass. <laughs> yeah, look. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, there's there's a lot of uh, vulnerability that shows up with love. 
And sometimes it, it's putting our fears aside, mm-hmm. you know, um, to, and to have a real connection with somebody else. Like we just talked about that self-love, you got to have some kind of concern for yourself, but you also have to know, in my opinion, the value of yourself and what you give to that other person. Mm-hmm. Right. I agree. So I've been, I've been somebody that's been more and more careful with my love as, as I've gotten older. And I thought that I was really careful with my last wife. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? We, we had a good run. It was 18 <clears throat> years of a good run. Mm-hmm. And to this day, I actually have a lot of love for her as a human being. Right. Um, but it's kind of like, it's a, it's kind of not an ego kind of love. It's like care for her as a human being. Right. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. um, which is probably why I mourned the loss of the relationship. But what I didn't really feel that I really lost was somebody that had love for me, mm-hmm. which made it really easy for me to move beyond. And I think I had to be very vulnerable to see that. Um, and one of my first ideas that I had after she told me was I need to be friends with as many women as I can. <laughs> yeah. For real. And I didn't care if they were 78 years old or 12, right? Mm-hmm. Which that would be honestly kind of weird, <laughs> right? But my, my, my thing is if I was in a conversation with a 12-year-old girl and she's just talking to me, I'm going right. to be open to my heart and have that moment of right. conversation. Right. That's kind of where Hear I Hear her out. Hear out. Yeah, hear the bitch out. <laughs> hey, she's 12. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, like what it is is the vulnerability to have an actual human connection, no matter if I'm just helping a woman at Target and she starts mm-hmm. talking to me, which that, that happened. Yeah. There was a little old lady trying to reach something on the top shelf. I took a moment out of my day to help her out. And we ended up in a real conversation for like five minutes. Yeah. But it was like, it was a real thing. Right. And and so my idea was I wanted to be a friend to women because I didn't want my next relationship to have any tainted anger towards women after that relationship. Mm. That was my thinking. Yeah, that's smart. <laughs> yeah. Because basically Lynn left me not because she didn't like the relationship, but it was a financial move for her, mm. which I found out two days after she was leaving, you know? Mm. Um, and, you know, I, I, after all that time, it's like we raised each other's children. How could you leave me for somebody that just has more to offer, mm-hmm. you know? And I didn't want that kind of hurt to reflect badly to the next relationship and right. spoil it. Like so, bitches ain't shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I've been that dude. Yeah. I've been yeah. that dude. You know, after my first wife, I got cold in my heart, you know, and I just really started to smash a lot of ass. And it was like, (laughs) you know, I I think that I might have missed real opportunities Mm -hmm. because I was in that mode. Yeah. And, um, you know, uh, no matter what woman I've been friends with more recently, I've tried to be the same person. And I tried to have that, you know, that honorable approach. Mm-hmm. And I kicked the tires on a lot of, <laughs> I kicked the tires on a lot of relationships, waiting to see something um, reciprocated. Right. You know, but I think that love is cold in this world. I think it has it has gotten cold, <laughs> for sure. Have you been in love? I don't really know what in love is. Like to be honest, mm. I don't know. I know I've loved. I've known. People loved me. No, I bet people have loved you. Some You're people a don't love you the way you need to be loved. 
Yes. And yeah, I think that that's something else. <laughs> Do you know how you need to be loved? Um, I need to be loved how I love myself, maybe a little, a little more. Mm. Mm. <laughs> you know, I I need to be. Also, I guess I don't know. I think dif- uh, different people need to be loved in different ways. You know, and it can come from how they grew up, and you know, that kind of stuff plays part in it. But yeah. So that philosopher Eric Fromm. He said that love was a state of awareness Mm -hmm. that until we can love everyone that we can never love someone. Hmm. And he, way he put it is, is he thought that for a lot of people, love is a noun, like we fall in love. It just happens to us, right? Mm -hmm. you know, but he said a lot of that type of love has to do with an ego. Mm -hmm. This person makes me happy. Right. Right. It's all about the self. It's Mm -hmm. like a narcissistic perspective. Mm -hmm. Right. And the way he put it is there's an exchange between two people that are kind of infatuated with one another. Mm -hmm. But that actually love for him is an art to be practiced, that it has things like humility, Mm -hmm. which that takes practice. Right. Um, There's a discipline to the way we approach it. Just like if you're a, a guitar player or a piano player, there's a discipline to the practice of it. Right. You constantly got to show that you love that, you know, yeah. show that love, you know, can't just talk about it. And, you know, when it's good, it's good. But you, even when it's hard, you got to, you know. How many words do you know for love in the American language? Amor. <laughs> Isn't that a... Isn't that French? Is it? I yeah. thought it was Spanish. It might be Spanish too. It might be Spanish and French. Might be um, Spanish and French. More, I don't know. Is that French? <laughs> um, so with with uh, Lynn, I used to say I love you. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, it's in um, it's in one of my songs, uh, Loveless Hearts. Mm-hmm. Je t'aime mon chéri oh, is what I would say. That's beautiful. I'm not even going to yeah. try and say that. So, but does that mean I love you? Yeah, oh, okay. I love you, my beloved, kind oh, of a thing. Nice. Um, but that's, you know, that's an erotic type of love, which right. goes back to eros, mm. which is one of the words that they have. So you would think about that like uh, the erotic love between a man and a woman that's in a relationship. Right. What you find in marriage. Mm-hmm. So marriage would be um, one of those terms, girlfriend, boyfriend, right? Mm-hmm. That's that term for love. What do we have for the term for love uh, with the people we're related to, family. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. That's another word for love. Oh, okay. Right. So mm-hmm. it, there's a word for uh, that in Spanish, familia. Familia. Is that what it is? Yeah. So that would be a a, a term for love. Mm-hmm. Um, and all this goes back to um, you know, uh, Latin and stuff like mm-hmm. that. There's actually words for this. Um, then there's friendship. Right. Right. So in the Latin, I think it's phileo, which is like we have the city Philadelphia, which is mm-hmm. the city of brotherly love, oh, okay. right? So it goes back to phileo. <laughs> mm-hmm. So you and I are friends. I phileo you. Oh, phileo. So, phileo, yeah. <laughs> Ooh, phileo. <laughs> Don't look at me like no. that now. Uh-huh. <laughs> Make my heart flutter. <laughs> but there's there's different types of love, and there's a word for love. In the English language, a lot of people don't realize what it's actually saying, and that word is charity. Charity? Charity. Hmm. Yeah. 
So that goes back to, and you probably have heard this, agape. Have you yeah, ever heard agape? That's what I was. That was. I was going to say that. You I say were. Agape. See, I should just shut up and let you talk a little bit more. <laughs> no, I was good. That was going to be my next one <laughs> if mm. we if we kept going. Oh, <laughs> but yeah, you got some more stuff on no. the shelf. No, that <laughs> was, was the be, that was the big gun. That was the one. That was the one. <laughs> I was waiting for you to say it first. <laughs> So what do you know about agape? You know, I don't know. I just know it means love. Mm. <laughs> and um, I don't even know where I heard it. I just know I've heard it before. Probably the church. <laughs> church? Yeah. Do they say that? They do. They they got some agape. I don't remember book. much of church, but... So that's God's love. Mm. Right? Okay. So in the Bible, there's a story that... Um, I don't know if you know the story in the Bible where Jesus is talking to Peter and he asks him three times if he loves him. I don't remember that. The third time, Peter can't answer him. And a lot of people don't realize, but if you actually go to the, the, the language that the Bible was written in, they were using different words. Mm. In the English translation, we just see love, love, love. Mm -hmm. But the first two times, he's asking, are basically, are you my friend? Mm. And Peter's like, yes, I am. Oh. Are you my friend? Yes, I am. But then he asked him if, if he has God's love for him. Do you mm. agape me? And that was where Peter fell silent because that type of love is a choice. It's not a feeling. Mm -hmm. So family, friendship, marriage, these are feelings mm -hmm. that our egos are attached to. Mm -hmm. It's a subjective point of view. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times it's like we care for each other because we're in the same family. Right. We care for each other because we're bound in our friendship to doing the same type of things. Mm -hmm. You know? Um, or I like to have sex with you, so it's like that. Or we arrows. have stuff in common. Yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> so that's that's uh, it's a type of love that's selfish in a sense, and this mm -hmm. is what Eric Fromm was talking about, where the agape, the charity, mm -hmm. you don't have to have any feelings towards a homeless person to feed them. Right. Mm -hmm. That's that type of love. Yeah. And that's that mindset that I'm talking about in this song, mm -hmm. is to be open, have an open heart an open hand yeah, and to care for the world that's around us. Right. Mm -hmm. So how do you feel about that? I'm with it. I try to be, Ooh. I try to be loving without like, you know, really thinking about it, I guess, you know, um, kind of like you said, there was, there's times when old, you know, older people have came to me and, Oh, can you help me? Or they don't speak the language or that, you know, they need help doing something and you know you go out of your way to help them or you you know i find myself doing that a lot and it makes me feel good i don't do it for me but it makes me feel good after but you know um just being having love in your heart and not being cold to people for no reason you know sometimes i see things in people and what i see in you is that the reason why it makes you feel good is because you really believe in being that person yeah and it's not always easy in the world that we live in to be that person. Yeah. But this is honor to me. This is somebody honoring who they are. And a lot of times to be what we believe is right is sometimes fearful. Mm. Um, sometimes it's uncomfortable. Mm. You know, and this is that discipline that Eric Fromm talked about when it comes to love. So, you know, I'm going to... I'm going to say that this song for me is about the practice of love as an art. Mm -hmm. And I kind of bring that out in the second verse particularly. Um, the last thing I'll leave you with is, is a quote by Eric Fromm himself. Okay. 
He says the, the love of others and the love of ourselves are not alternatives. On the contrary, an attitude of love, an attitude of love towards oneself can be found in an attitude of being capable of loving others. Love in principle is indivisible as far as the connection between objects and oneself. And basically when he's talking about it's indivisible, like it it really shouldn't divide. Mm -hmm. It should connect. Mm -hmm. You know, and this podcast, Artist Help an Artist, is about the connection that artists have but not just to each other, but to the art we make and to the audiences that listen to us. You yeah. know, um, I enjoy the connection that we have. I do too. I've known you for almost a year mm-hmm. and I could say that you've only improved my life in the time that I've known you. Oh, thank you. And um, Likewise. I, I encourage <laughs> you to keep being exactly who you are, keep that honor and keep that hunger for loyalty. Because there are some loyal people out there in that world. Yeah. And you might just stumble on them if you have that open hand and open heart. Yeah. Thank you, Miss Amelia, for coming. Would you like to say anything before you leave? Um, I don't know if this is going to start a whole other topic. So. Ooh, this well, is good. No, I just Ooh. wanted to say that un- oh. under understanding is like a big part of love, I think, too. Because when you love someone, you try and be understanding, right? You're like open. You may, you might not understand it, but you try to understand. I think that's that that falls under love to me. I, I think so. you're right. So, yeah. in in the Bible, there's actually a place that I love to talk about love. <laughs> it is First um, Corinthians uh-huh. chapter thirteen. It tells everything that love is. And they're basically talking about God's love. And one Mm -hmm. of the things that it says is love is understanding. Mm. And it's very true. So, you know, I was someone that had a lot of anger, just like what Yoda talked about. Mm -hmm. And anger leads to hatred and suffering. And I went down that road of suffering, Mm -hmm. to be honest with you. Um, And one of the things that I did in my life is I wrote down all the people that I was angry with and the actual behaviors that they had that, that I was angry about. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also had to actually write down um, how it affected me and mm-hmm. the feelings um, and, and ultimately what my part was in the relationship. Right. You know, and when I started to write these things <clears throat> down, at first I saw the people I was angry with. And then I moved away from that person and I started to focus on the behavior that they had. And then I moved away from that and I got into my own feelings. Mm -hmm. And then when I started to look at how I was responsible, I I had this realization that um, a lot of those relationships, yeah, they had done some things, but I had also done some things. Right. And um, to to be accepting of other people was kind of like to be accepting of myself in a way. Um, So I realized that a lot of the people that I was angry with, I had a black and white view of. I was angry at them for the things they did or the things that they should have done in my mind. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. So I had this very black and white view for them. But when it came to the things that I did, I wanted everybody to understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Motherfucker, have you just understood? <laughs> right. Why well, I did what I had yeah. done when I did it. Then you would be you. Mad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So today I actually try to flip that around. Mm-hmm. I try to be understanding of other people. I try to think to myself, well, 
they might be going through some things. Mm-hmm. Like even my ex-wife, you know, when when she told me that she was moving on for another dude, I realized, hey, I hadn't seen her physically in almost two years. Mm-hmm. And it was coronavirus time. Right. And mm-hmm. We were separated at the border. She was in fear. She mm-hmm. was alone. She. It was no wonder that she looked around for mm-hmm. some kind of stronger animal. You know what I mean? <laughs> Because that's that's kind of what it was, yeah. you know. So I, I try to be more understanding today of people's situations, and that saves me from from hatred and anger. Yeah, um, I agree. I'm, I'm more accepting of your humanism, right? Right. And but that black and white view, I try to put it on myself. I try mm-hmm. to think of what I should be doing, what I shouldn't be doing, and I try to honor that. Yeah. And to be honest with you, I have a lot of love in my life these days. Although I want to have, I don't say that I have that relationship relationship, mm-hmm. but everybody I spend my time with, to some degree or another, I have love for. Yeah. Uh, or I wouldn't spend my time yeah. with them at all because <laughs> um, I feel that love of self, like I am valuable. Yeah. And my time is valuable. So like if I make time for you, chances are I think that you're a valuable person. And... um I make as much time for Miss Amelia as I can, to be honest with you. Thank you. <laughs> if that hippie could just get it together, oh, I'd give her more time. All right, but that was a good bomb to drop at the end. I know. Thank you. You have anything else to say? No. Oh, she wants to get out of here, folks. <laughs> she wants to run. Put, put the walls back we up. We could talk hippie. about love all day. I bet you could. I bet you could. Well, the world loves Miss Amelia. As I do myself. I love the world. Oh, I know you do. (laughs) Love, love, love. We will talk to you another time. Bye-bye. I'm Curious G, and this has been the Truth to Power podcast. Thank you for joining us this week, and thank you for your patience. I understand (laughs) very well. This topic of love and adaptability, I hope, was informative. We are going to approach the same topic next week from a different angle. Until then, love yourself and each other. What does love look like around these here parts? Close your eyes and visualize the hearts. Those we've known with open.